0: what's up everybody this is jordan rossler and derek ambrose from the dynasty builders podcast part of the dlf family of podcasts each week we use film analysis rookie breakdowns adp analytic tools and a dose of humor to ensure that you get actionable and practical advice from each and every episode to help you build a dynasty
1: do you have the time to to me grind take down the thin watchers and their all at once I am one of those skeptical of status quo lazy into to the bone no doubt about it sometimes I grind my exhale sheets sometimes pour cold water on heat when
0: the not ending up, you check it out. I'm just to the Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at PAHowdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Subscribe to me on Patreon, I guess? Uh, no, I gotta write them down. Um, or don't, by the way. It's okay. I don't care. Um yeah, so this podcast's only a day late, technically, so I feel like I'm getting better. Um but the reason this week is uh one, it's a Super Bowl today, happy Super Bowl day. Um so it feels like a good excuse uh to do your podcast late, but also unlike last week I had no idea what I wanted to talk about this week and so it took me a while. And I had to wait until something crawled up under my skin to really make me mad to, you know actually find a subject. So, what's the subject for this week? All right. Uh, l- l- let me let's see if you can guess what it is. 38% of running backs drafted in the first round hit for a top 5 season. 20% of running backs drafted in the fourth round hit for a top 24 season. 22% of wide receivers drafted in the first round hit for a top 5 season. On the other hand, 53% of tight ends drafted in the first round hit for a f- hit for a top 5 season. Can you guess what it is? I'm so sick of hit rates, and I remember why I avoided them for so long, and now I have a a sheet calculating frickin' all of them in, in seven different ways, and I hate them. I'm not a statistician, or a mathematician, or really even a boy. I'm not a real boy, I guess, but... I'm sure there's a better way. There's like a pre-established way of expressing this. And I don't know what it is. But let me just... Like, it seems common sense to me that hit rates don't tell you anything about a player. Nothing. Not a thing. They're literally based on what's happened with other players in other situations. Drafted to different GMs with different quarterbacks. Like, I they're important. And draft capital is, you know, really important. But this is also part of the reason why I'm so high on the undrafted free agent hobby horse in that, like, we only seem to employ them when they don't fit other narratives. Like when it looks like a bad prospect, oh but hit rate. No, that that's when you that's when you don't use it, buddy. That's not that's not it. And it's like comparing players across things that we know don't seem to have a significant reason or connection to why they're good in the NFL. Like, don't, don't tell me a player is six foot tall and runs a certain 40 time. Like, you may as well just tell me he has the same eye color as Tyreek Hill. That, as far as we know, has as much connection to Tyreek Hill's ability to be good in the NFL... As either of those two things, like, I don't, you got to find something you enjoy and that works for you, and that's fine, and I do the same, and all of this stuff is unpredictive and outside the, the statistical realm of relevance or probability in most cases to have relevance to what they're actually going to do, that's all fine, but like, say when you're doing that, and don't say things that suggest to people that that means they are more likely or in some way connected to the talent of Archetype X and it's the same with hit rates it's a fundamental flaw in hit rates draft capital matters but I can't for me in my opinion rookie season is get on your horse climb up your hill and shout from the mountaintop season it's the fun of it don't take the fun of it out of it. Like, why Why would you do this? Why would you do this to me? <laughs> like, this is when you get to just go, screw you, Aaron Jones from the fourth round. Screw you! I want Aaron Jones. You get to ride your hobby horse. Now, yeah, we're playing Dynasty, so do a reasonable ADP. And you don't have to spend a first-round pick on a player you can get in the third round. And all of that aside... But it is go get your guy. This is the area where that terrible narrative that offers no real value when you're talking about regular fantasy play. It's actually where it can apply. You get to just do that. Stop stop not doing that. <laughs> I guess that's what's annoying me a little bit about rookie season right now. What does any of that mean? Well, it's the Super Bowl. And I'm going to talk about running backs, so hopefully no one notices. That's why I'm timing it with a Super Bowl. Because running backs, we, you all know I suck at running backs, right? Cool. All right, here, here's some running back stuff. So, 38% of players who have had fantasy relevant seasons across all positions in the NFL come from the first round. That's a significantly high number, right? Draft capital matters. But 73% of all top of fan all fantasy relevant seasons, that's top 12 for quarterback and tight end and top 24 for running back. 73% come from the top 3 rounds and 26% come from outside the top 3 rounds. So normally I'm mentioning these numbers to point out that undrafted free agents matter. L- let's go, right? But if you break that down by position, I want to point out that 71% of quarterbacks with those fantasy relevant seasons come from the first round, and 29% of running backs come from that first three rounds. That first round, and despite Narrative, like, you kill narratives, and you feel like a dragon slayer, and then it turns out you can't kill narratives. You can't do it. They're invincible. They last forever. It's about the same since 2014, since 2009, by the way, for running backs. There's like half a percentage difference, which accounts for... Aaron Jones. Like, because Aaron Jones is good, doesn't mean that draft capital matters less. And didn't I start this podcast talking about how you shouldn't just rely on hit rates? Yes. But what I'm trying to do is point out how they're useful. They describe the landscape and the type of bet that you are making. You understand the risks as there are as many more things in reality than just draft capital. From GM for quarterback to weather on the field to if you hurt yourself. So, it describes a base landscape in which we can insert our information and understanding of an individual player. 36% of wide receivers since 2009 have finished in the top 24, so fantasy relevant season from the first round, 74% from the first three rounds, 25% from... Outside the first three rounds, including undrafted free agents, there is a there is a level of bet that you're making based on how they enter the NFL in terms of draft capital, for sure. But, but. <laughs> (laughs) Even the best draft capital is accounting for no more than 36% of the players currently in the NFL since 2009's draft capital while producing those fantasy-relevant seasons. Now, lots of those players are the same player, which is how Aaron Jones screws people's perspective in terms of draft capital being less of a thing over the last few years because he was repeating his top 12 performances or his top 24 performances, depending on how they're calculating it or looking at it. And it's making it look like draft capital is declining when, in fact, it's just a player repeatedly being good who is undervalued, perhaps, or at least came out of value in the draft Um, for Green Bay, who continues to, frankly, disrespect him in my personal opinion. But, you know, the Lamar, Jack, Lamar Miller rule does teach us that NFLs tend to be better at assigning usage than we typically think, but I still think... Aaron Jones is just disrespected in terms of his overall volume. But Aaron Jones as a prospect, ignore all the advanced shit. Find something that for you explains how good a player is. And that's easy enough to do. How about yards per game? So coming from the cursor west, Aaron Jones got 135 yards per game. The average for that conference is actually significantly lower than most conferences. This is, I think, without looking... A- a mistake people make when they see a running back coming from a lower conference. Oh, you come from a lower conference. It must be easier. No wonder your numbers are high. If you come from the cursor West as a running back one from that conference, you typically average between 70 and 80 yards per game. Aaron Jones from that conference with a lower expectation in their yards per game was averaging 135. Like that's pretty much the best. (laughs) Of yards per, Just yards per game, not a fancy, fun, nerdy stat. He was epically productive, and it should have been in, even more impressive coming from the Cursor West. He was a very clearly, a very productive player coming from a lower conference with lower draft capital, so you fit him into that landscape, but he was clearly a very good prospect to the point that me, who sucks at running back most of the time, was on Aaron Jones. Like, it was really easy to be on Aaron Jones. And I found a lot of things to like about um, Jamal Williams. And he was the early success story in Green Bay. And he actually is pretty good in himself. But it was easy to bet on Aaron Jones because he had everything going for him. He was more productive from a low-productive conference. Um, he had a larger receiving game in college. Like, across the board, he looked like a misdrafted player Even at running back where this stuff doesn't really explain how good they are, when you took a look at his stats, it's like, yeah, he doesn't just compare to past prospects or just from where he came from. Like, he looks incredibly impressive. Now... The current narrator of that could be Derek Henry. Derek Henry really only had the full role once in his last year before going to the NFL, and something I said and repeatedly proves to be true at running back, no matter what date range you want to look at, you really want to look at the best of what they've done, their best season, their best event, whatever. And with college statistics, their best season seems to be the best. Now, the reason for that, as I've explained, I think I've done this before, but um, it's because running back's cannot get full opportunities or the full run of their skill set because of other running backs on the team. It's a lot harder to force the issue of volume at running back. It's easy to ignore the guy on the bench. It's hard to ignore the guy on the field getting open, like at wide receiver or tight end, where there tends to be multiple opportunities, even if you're not the guy And so you're not being put on the field specifically to be uh, the one who gets the ball. If you're the one that's open in the receiving game, you get the ball more. And therefore, hopefully, with good coaching, you get increased opportunities. With running back, you really don't have that potential. And so quite often, you sit behind other players who might not be as innately, quote-unquote, whatever it is, talented as as you. Or you... You, you, you're just simply not getting the ball and it has and you can't force the opportunity I, I think I've made this point moving on so best is the the season that you look at but some players are that guy for multiple seasons and in fact through my new testing and it proves true from my last round of testing as well the average still proves to be the best type uh, or year stat to look at for running back. Now, to put that into perspective, despite the fact we should have paid attention to someone like Derek Henry, who only gets, or Miles Sanders for that matter, who only gets a full role once, that's the year we should really judge them on. Lots of running backs are the guy for multiple seasons before they go to the NFL, because, you know, college teams are trying to win as well. So, if we look at the formulas and results tab in my, you know, free databasey thing, when I actually ran testing on a sample size that weeded out a lot of the va- of the lot of the variants or underproductive players, the players we really didn't need to be having in the sample, and yet still kept it remarkably broad so there were successful and good players and bad players all the way from 2000 to 2017, I think is the sample I used. What I found is the average for their college career stats were actually testing better or had a better linear relationship to points per game in the NFL through the first 3 seasons than the best year. But if you're looking at Derek Henry and using his average, it doesn't take a lot to notice that he only really got the full run, and I'm not sure this point has made in a lot about Derek Henry, but he got 65% of the rushing attempts in his final year, and before that, in his other two years, the best percentage of the team's rushing attempts that he got was 34%, so it's pretty easy to see he's not getting the full usage before that final season. Aaron Jones was, and so was Travis Etney and Najee Harris did it in the last two seasons, if you're interested in 2020 rookies, for example. So the average has the best linear relationship, but some players don't have a good average because of the way they were rolled out for their college teams, and so it makes sense to adjust for that. So, looking at a simpler stat, not a simpler stat, but a stat that might make more readily understandable um you might It might just might seem like a better stat to you because we understand what it is more clearly. It does for me. I look at it pretty often, just yards per game. When you're looking at someone like Najee Harris and uh, Travis Etne, the average for players who have good seasons in the NFL, and they both come from very strong conferences, and um, Travis Etne's yards per game average for his conference for players that are good in the NFL is around 103 yards per game, which seems pretty decent. Trev Nigel Harris comes from the SEC West, if memory serves, and the average running back that has a top 12 season in the NFL from that conference actually averaged around 94 yards per game. Now, that doesn't seem like a big difference, but if you run through the actual examples by, you know, selecting SEC West and look at the past hits, it actually is significantly lower. Players come from that conference with a lower yards per game than players who go on to be good from uh, Travis Etne's um, conference. Now, it's not significantly different when you look at the average, but it's very clear when you look at the actual examples. Now, Travis Etna has 110 yards per game, and Najee Harris has 89 yards per game. What does that mean? It, it, it means they're about the same, frankly. They both did pretty well based on their conference expectation on a per-game basis in terms of total yards. Now, when you look at Najee Harris, you realize that he really only had the full role through his last two seasons. So, if I look at market share of rushing, you know, the percentage of rushing attempts he actually had. In the last two seasons, he had 55% of the attempts and 60% of the attempts. Before that, he only had 11% of the rushing attempts and 24% of the rushing attempts. So, very clearly, he wasn't the guy, even though he has a good games total through those two seasons. So, I imagine there was someone else on the team that they were leaning on. Both of these players have stayed in college longer, played more games, and had more touches than is typical for running backs who go on to have a top 12 season. That doesn't mean they're bad and those two seasons for Najee Harris may well explain why. We could go and dig back and find out who it is. You probably already know and I don't care so let's not. Same with Travis Etne except Travis Etienne only really had a partial role in his first year at age 18. He had 19% of the team's rushing attempts. Since then he had 38%, 43% and 43% again. He's less of a rusher but it's pretty clear that those last three years he was having a majority role as opposed to that first year. Alright, now both are doing fairly well in terms of conference expectation and just looking at yards per game. Now, the reason we talk about such nerdy crappy stats like yards per team attempt and yards per team pass attempt is because they tend to have a better linear relationship when looking at what players go on to do in the NFL. It's not that yards per game isn't pretty descriptive and give you a good idea of if they're being very productive in their situation or not, especially when you take into consideration when they were playing and adjust for their best season if that is applicable or necessary. With Nigel Harris and Atney, I don't think the average is necessarily... You don't have to just look at their best season, because they had multiple seasons where they were, quote-unquote, the guy. But it's pretty clear to see that their overall uh, careers are going to be a little muted, because they didn't get on the field. Um, they've played for more games, and yet... They weren't the guy for their entire college career, so it's important to know that when looking at their overall counting stats, for example. But if we look at adjusted yards per team attempt, or if we look at uh, just yards per team attempt, or pass attempt for that matter, which tests a little better, but, you know, whatever, yards per team attempt makes more sense when looking at a running back. Both have done significantly well in their best season, they're both about... Uh, if memory serves, above their conference average, about 1.2 yards per team attempt above the conference average. So that follows through with what we already know about them. Um, and their average is slightly lower than players like Aaron Jones or Derek Henry. But again, they've played longer and have multiple seasons where they weren't getting the full role. So that makes sense as well. So with a little bit of mental adjustment, we can see they were pretty productive. They are coming out later. They do have more touches. But that doesn't tell us anything about them and they were productive and good in their situation. It does tell us something about what the NFL might think of them, but honestly, why do we stress about that so hard when we're going to know that before we have to draft them if you're in any kind of a reasonable dynasty league anyway? So, you know, just just wait. I don't know why we spend so long stressing over things that we're going to know before we have to do anything. So what's the problem? It's like the trade rumors right now uh, around Carson Wentz. Like, I, I, it's fun, I guess, but, like, I don't need to guess right now because I'll know before I have to do anything about it. And if in, I'm in a league where n- knowing before there's a roto world blurb about the trade actually happening means that I can take advantage of one of my teammates because he's not paying attention to the fact that there may be a trade, then I'm probably not challenging myself <laughs> enough, right? If I'm someone that's aware of the fact that a trade may happen and i'm playing in a league where you know most of the players or some of the players in my league are just not aware of that going on then i'm there's there's other ways i can take advantage of that situation if you really want to stay uh, in a league where no one's paying as much attention as you Uh, so why again why are you stressing but anyway Where was it? So how do Najee Harris and Travis Etney compare? Very well. Najee Harris' numbers look relatively low, but he's coming from a conference that running backs typically have lower overall volume. He only got the role really in his last two seasons, and he looks like he was much more of a three-down, full-throttle all the rushing attempts kind of running back compared to Travis Etienne, That somewhat shows up in the breakdown of their overall touches and that Travis Etienne's had 12% of his total touches that came from the receiving game and Najee Harris had about 9.9. Um, running backs that have top 12 seasons in the NFL, they have about 9% of the touches coming from the receiving game. So Najee Harris doesn't look like a non-three down back, it's just that Travis Etne had a larger receiving role throughout his entire college career, which is also fine, adjusted for those seasons that they weren't really the guy, and it's probably pretty fair to say that they look good. Both are coming out with very different total yards totals. So Travis Etienne has 6,000 yards. Najee Harris has 4,500. Again, they both played four years. They both played about 55 games. Uh, Najee Harris only played 51, but it's within the same range. Both had at least two seasons with 20 receptions or more. They both look like very good prospects. And honestly, I think saying anything else about either of them is kind of dumb. Um, Travis Etienne had point. Seven yards per touch, which is actually well above the average for players that have a top twelve season coming into the NFL from all conferences. Najee Harris had about six point five, which is above the average, but not by much. But again, that doesn't mean that Travis Etienne is better. It doesn't mean Najee Harris is worse. What I do think we can see is that Najee Harris played a more prototypical running back role to the last two seasons. He wasn't the guy for the first two. He was the guy for the second two and he ultimately dominated rushing attempts more and had a very decent receiving role through those last two seasons. Both are coming from very strong conferences. Ettenay's coming from a conference that typically produces more running back production anyway. So I can see the description of those two players making you lean towards Harris, but that does not mean Travis Etienne doesn't look like a very productive player from his situation, from a very good conference that the NFL likes to draft through. Outside of that, we need draft capital, and we need to read the situation, which you know delves down more into personal experience and telling us something about the player. But we need to fit them in the landscape. Saying much more than that about their college production is literally just kind of blowing smoke up a chimney where you've got a fire going already. Like, okay, you can do that if you want, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know what matters now. Bringing back into cuz believe it or not this all fits into my in my head it's akin to talking about hit rates and why hit rates are bad but bringing into those false archetype analysis this is where tape is useful and why I want to talk to Zach Reed this week's Monday grind live stream that I do on YouTube Twitch I think it goes to Periscope, whatever it is. This week, I'm actually going to get to talk to someone about rookies for the first time with more information that I cannot get from their statistics, and that's Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies podcast. We're actually having to do the Monday grind on Tuesday because I'm working on Monday, which is fun. Um, but yeah, we're doing the Monday grind on Tuesday. It'll be sometime after 9 o'clock. It'll be live. Me and Zach usually talk for several hours. I will try to whittle that down into a second Dynasty Crossroads episode next week but I think I want to do most of my interviews kind of in the Monday live Monday Grind format live stream because I know sometimes there aren't that many people asking questions on the live stream and sitting there working spreadsheets with a camera on me is just awkward so I think maybe having a conversation with someone will work better over there, we're going to try it keep the podcast more me talking about general stuff and then Interviews and more specific discussion about players um, on the live streams um, on the Monday Grind. So feel free to come check that out. I will try and turn at least some of it into a podcast episode next week for the Dynasty Crossroads. But where where was I going? Archetypes, right. So I don't know. Lots of information about Travis Ettenay and Nadja Harris. Lots of it could be useful. Um, in that conversation about whether a player is or not is, is not Tyree Kill, someone who watches more tape, or any tape, and was talking about the way Tony, or what, what's his name, Tony, someone from this draft moves like Tyree Kill. Now, that's not something I can test, and that's okay. It means we can't create a hit rate. I can't know how many times it happened in the past, but it's something you can get from tape, That if you are good at tracking movement and understanding the way body mechanics work, I guess, in the game of fantasy football, you can make comparisons like that that aren't going to show up in numbers, that aren't going to be able to be tested. But might give you an edge, and it'll at least give us a, a bit a better understanding of who a player is. So Zach has access to lots of information, and it's not whether Etne or Harris or someone I'm actually more interested in because I don't hear a lot about him, and he's a different kind of running back based on his production. Kenny Gamewell, um, I, I know everyone talk, wants to talk about Jamar Jefferson, Javante Williams, and both look pretty decent, but across those stats I was just comparing, they look very productive, but you know in the way that running backs are productive from their conferences would be the way I would say it. They have, you know, the three-down skill set, decent percentage of their touches coming from the receiving game a decent number of seasons with top 12 seasons Their yards per game is good for example Jamar Jefferson has uh, what was it 119 yards per game which sounds great until you realize that from his conference running backs average if they have a top 12 season in the NFL at least 138 yards per game he's coming from a very productive running back conference that doesn't mean he's not good it just means he's not overachieving in the way that Aaron Jones was coming from a different kind of conference. And Javante Williams has about 81 yards per game. The average for his conference is around 107 yards per game. So again, it's slightly under. Doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're actually not particularly impressing in the way someone like Aaron Jones did from this conference. So both, in my mind at least, require a little more draft capital and a little bit more of a certain situation. Whereas Aaron Jones, it was very easy to say he's very good. He's on a good team. I can just hope he can work his way into the role. And so I need a little extra to kind of be very interested in uh, Jefferson and uh, Williams. Whereas Aaron Jones, I felt like um, in any situation, I would take the bet that he would work his way into a role. Those two, same thing. But I need a little bit more. Can we get more than fourth-round draft capital? Can we get, you know, not drafted behind three other players that are also pretty good kind of a a thing? But, you know, again, I'm going to know that stuff before I have to draft, so I'm not overly concerned. Kenny Gamewell, on the other hand, has 71% of his um, yards coming from the rushing game, whereas the average for, you know, most rushes in the NFL is around about 85, which is right about around where Najee Harris sits, by the way. And um, he had three seasons, I think, with twenty receptions or more he He looks like more of a receiving back, and in the same way that we adjust, we hope the n f l can adjust for where the talent is in terms of whether they're big or small guys. We should adjust where the talent is in our rookie dress, like I might not have any other running backs in this class. that I really fancy as a potential Nick Chubb as a potential full-down, full-ball workhorse, but we know receiving backs can do it for us in fantasy. They can be productive in college, and Kenny Gamewell looks like that kind of prospect, like a Naheem Hines, like a like a James White, frankly, coming from college. So I really want to know a lot more about him, but uh, anyway, i kind of gone off point here, what I was going to say. So Zach Reid's able to add a lot more context to these numbers. How they move? Do they move well? Uh, are they bashing their heads into very open lines, like Jake always told me about Rashad Penny. I probably should have listened to that more, but I didn't care because it was fun, uh, especially fun to meme Jake um, and stuff like that. It's not that they can or can't tell me if they were productive. Zach definitely knows those things as well as I can do as well as I do, but he has access to information I just don't. Do they move well? How are they making those numbers? And with prospects like Harris and especially if they at draft capital, I'm less concerned with it, but it provides important information, it provides important context to how well they performed in their situation. Same with Jefferson, same with Williams, same with Gamewell. It's not two sides of the same coin, by the way. I keep hearing that, again, like film and analytics, two sides of the same coin. It's the same face of the same coin. Like, we're trying to guess reality, which is the other side of the coin. Like, I, I, I can't say this well in, like, 30 seconds, and it's what well, the time I've got less on this episode, but, like, it's the same thing, right? Analytics, I guess, if you want to call it that, are numbers are just taking what they've done and comparing it to other players in other situations as effectively as we can, which is fairly ineffective, but it's better than just saying thousand-yard season, bro, because again, as I was just pointing out, some conferences produce thousand-yard seasons like they're handing out biscuits or something, and some, you literally have to crawl up a mountain to get there. I think that makes sense. Um, Instead, uh, and Zach can... Also challenge me on that stuff. He knows <laughs> whether he says it or not as much about the production as I do, but he can also add other information, in other context. So I'm really looking forward to talking to him about it on the uh, uh, on that Monday Grand live stream. Um, hope you can check it out. I guess I'm doing a promo at this point. Where's my ending point? Yeah. Understand these players, how they made the production, and then try to find something that you can believe in that says they're good, they're bad, they're average, whatever. We're going to know their draft capital, which is the last piece of the puzzle, but god dang, is the hit rate not the thing? That tells you what kind, that tells you a lot of information, and draft capital matters, and yes, draft snobbery works for a reason, but it's rookie season. So I I don't want to hear about hit rates nearly as much as I do when talking about rookies, especially not rookie draft hit rates. Guys. Come on now. No. Uh, may, maybe another time. I can't get it. I, I just don't like that way of thinking about rookies. Um, Spencer Brown, by the way, he's someone that turns up at the top of my pre-draft model uh, because he was, uh, well, across the things that my pre-draft model is using, he uses pretty well. He's one of the players from Aaron Jones' conference this year. For comparison, uh, he got 86 yards per game. Um, I think he played a full season as well. He wasn't limited in terms of when he got the role. Um, He got zero seasons with 20 receptions or more. He looks like much more of a rusher. And if I skip over to his market share of rushing, yeah, he had a 55% share of the team's rushing yards, 47% of the team's rushing attempts his very first year. Um, He looks more to me like how we used to describe compilers. He had the role for a full season, yet is underwhelming in terms of his yards per game. He's underwhelming in terms of his yards per attempt. He's just played so many games, 47, um, that, yeah, yeah, 863 touches going into the NFL. I I don't mind him as a prospect, but again, this is how we adjust. My pre-draft model isn't the thing either. Once I understand how he produces... Um, he doesn't look nearly as impressive as my pre-draft model thinks. Um, I just wanted to point that out since anyone who goes looks going to see him at the top and then he'll see, they'll see him coming from the same conference as Aaron Jones. And yeah, he's not, he's not the thing, uh, but hopefully Zach Reed or Ray GQ can tell me a little bit more about him at some other time. I feel like I've kind of meandered around the point uh, to end this podcast, but you know, that kind of also seems like on brand for me. So don't worry about hit rates right now. <laughs> or really, when it comes to the rookie draft, it tells you something about their likelihood of getting opportunity. But we also, I think, have to make a dis- call, just have to make a call, about whether this running back's able to force the issue because they're talented enough. Even understanding that some, based on draft capital, are going to find that increasingly. Uh, more or less difficult. Increasingly wasn't one word there, but I'm just going to run with it. Um. So yeah, go find you guys. W- worry about what the NFL is going to think about them when the NFL tells us what they're going to think about them. I like looking at conference, especially in terms of expectation, as I was just doing. Um. And it's good to have an understanding of where the NFL likes to draft players from. But yeah, don't don't worry about draft capital just yet we're going to know that before we have to worry about it so like for now take the time to try and understand what you think this player is is he just good is he very good is he exceptional is he just average is he a receiving player whatever it is and ignore stats and just go watch the tape for that if that's your thing there's the, the perfectly perfectly fine process um and Zach can tell you more about how to do that on Tuesday, I guess. Anyway, I'm getting out of here. Thanks very much. Hope you have a great day. Hope the Super Bowl goes amazingly for everyone, although presumably it can't go amazingly for everyone. Uh, but let's enjoy the hell out of it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye.
1: Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player run phone, so shake on the table the and they want to play so didn't know it's a the pleasure Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that Close. Picking their brains, got their in lanes, but I like that yeah. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats nice. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, dick out that eye, I like mortar, Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore I am at a crossroads, chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road Go click in a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold. So Jake on the table and they on the place though. Peter Numa, it's a the place analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, play run fold. So Jake on the table and they on the place though. Peter and Numa, it's a the place they're analytical.